This week on Hometown Ghost Stories, the mysterious case of Estefania Gutierrez. Things go wrong for a teenager in Vallecas when she attempts to use a Ouija board to contact a dead friend. This is episode number 15, The Vallecas Haunting, Madrid, Spain. Spain, 1991, the Vallecas haunting. 16-year-old Marianela Gutierrez was helping her younger sister Lucia get ready for bed since her parents had not yet returned home from work. She had just put her baby brother Jose to sleep and she was getting annoyed because these were supposed to be her older sister Estefania's tasks. Earlier in the evening, Estefania had mentioned she wasn't feeling well after dinner and confined herself in her bedroom with the door shut tight. As the sisters were walking by Estefania's bedroom, they heard a low growl emanating from behind the door. They stopped walking, more confused than scared. Marianella called her sister's name. No answer. The growl just persisted. Cautiously, Marianella turned the doorknob and opened the door. The room was pitch dark, and she could only make out the vague shape of Estefania's bed. The growling got louder. It seemed to be coming from the bed. The girls stopped, fearing there might be some kind of rabid animal in their older sister's bed. As her eyes adjusted to the dark, Marianella saw her sister staring directly at her with a hateful look in her eyes. The growl was coming from Estefania, and she was levitating flat on her back at least a foot over the bed. At that moment, Estefania began cursing and spitting at the girls, growling and barking like an animal. The girls screamed and ran back to the door, but it slammed in their faces. They were trapped in the room with whatever became of their sister. That's when they noticed the tall, looming shadow of a man in the corner, far too large to be anyone they knew. He had no facial features, just a tall black shadow, beckoning to them from the dark corner of the room. I'm Dave Wilkins, and this is Hometown Ghost Stories. poverty during the Spanish Civil War. The war lasted from 1936 to 1939, during which General Francisco Franco led his nationalist forces through Vallecas, essentially leveling it, leaving it peppered with shrapnel scars, many of which can still be seen today. When Franco won the war, Vallecas re-emerged as a slum for migrant workers, gypsies, and poverty-stricken locals struggling with crime and drugs. Eventually, the people of Vallecas had enough of the dictator's neglect and took to the streets to demand sewage systems, paved roads, and other basic necessities. Their demands were met, 
but the town today still teeters on the poverty line, well below the standards of its surrounding areas. During the poorly managed process of modernizing the town, many of the old buildings were partially demolished, having nothing rebuilt in their place. This resulted in entire streets lined with ghost buildings and shells of what used to be people's homes. These streets and homes have seen more violence and death than most people could possibly imagine. The year was 1990. Concepcion Gutierrez pulled out of her driveway in Vallecas to head into Madrid to visit her father, who lay dying in his hospital bed. This final farewell was not a heartfelt one, however. It was more of a formality. The grandfather hated his family, particularly his grandchildren. It was an inarticulate hatred that he took to his grave with him. At the hospital, Estefania Gutierrez, the oldest of the grandchildren, approached to kiss her grandfather on the forehead. As she leaned in, he looked her in the eye and told her, If I cannot harm you in this life, I will do it in the next one. He died not long after, alone and full of hate. After the death of their grandfather, life for the Gutierrez family pretty much went back to normal for a while. But that didn't last for long. A few months later, Estefania's best friend Diana's boyfriend was killed in a motorcycle crash. Diana was devastated over the loss and mentioned on multiple occasions that she wanted to try and contact her deceased lover on the other side. One day, at school, Diana snuck in a Ouija board. The two girls, accompanied by Estefania's sister Marianella and their friend Juan, snuck into the basement to perform the infamous ritual. They laid out the board, but much to their disappointment, found the planchette was missing. Thinking quickly, Estefania grabbed the dusty tumbler glass and placed that on the board in place of the missing planchette. The teenagers all gathered around and placed their hands on the glass and waited. Nothing. They began asking it questions, but before they could get a response, the door flew open and in stormed Sister Dolores Molina, one of the nuns who taught at the Catholic school the girls attended. When she saw what they were doing, she flew into a fit of rage, throwing the board to the floor, shattering the glass. Everyone present that day witnessed a peculiar smoke rise up from the glass as it broke and drift directly towards Estefania. When it reached her face, she gasped, causing her to unintentionally inhale it. The event shocked everyone in the room, and Sister Molina was so disturbed by what she saw that she quit her job at the school just days later. Estefania was unable to sleep that night. Her parents, Concepcion and Maximo, noticed right away a drastic change in their daughter's behavior and attitude. The normally happy, bubbly teenager seemed detached and distant, occasionally snapping back with sharp remarks and bitter insults. Her insomnia continued for weeks. She would hardly ever sleep at all, and when she did sleep, it was more of a trance. But the dreams she had made her wish she was awake, despite her desperate need for sleep. She would dream of cloaked shadow figures in the dark corners of her room, beckoning her to join them. It got to the point where the insomnia was so bad that she would hallucinate the figures while she was awake. In fact, she was so out of it when she was awake, and so hardly asleep when she wasn't, that she was always stuck somewhere in between, in a constant trance-like state. Some of Estefania's younger siblings claimed they started seeing the shadow figures at night as well. One night, shortly after dinner, Estefania was in the bathroom getting ready to iron a shirt. She reached for the cord, but before she was able to plug it in, the red light came on and the iron started rapidly heating up and steaming. At that moment, she glanced up at the mirror in front of her, and in its reflection caught a glimpse of a shadow figure behind her in the shower. She screamed and bolted for the door, but it was stuck shut. She started pounding on the door, screaming for someone to help. Maximo heard his daughter's screams and ran to assist. He couldn't open the door either, ramming his shoulder up against it again and again. It was like slamming into a brick wall. 
He took a step back, preparing to kick the door off its hinge, but before he had the chance, it gently clicked open. Not knowing what else to do, Estefania's parents started taking her to different hospitals in an attempt to figure out what was wrong with their daughter, but none of the doctors were able to find anything wrong with her. Estefania's condition continued to deteriorate. She began having violent fits, but wouldn't remember them after they subsided. On the night of July 13, 1991, Estefania viciously attacked her sister Marianella, who ended up on the floor, bleeding and foaming at the mouth. The following day, Estefania suffered a serious attack of catalepsy. Her muscles seized up, and she went completely rigid, eyes rolling back, jaw clenched shut. Her mother rushed her to the hospital, where she fell into a state of coma. The doctors took her immediately and rushed her off, leaving the family to agonize in the waiting room. Later that night, a doctor took the family into a private room where he informed the anxious mother that her daughter had not survived the seizure. Concepcion was shocked by the sudden death of her daughter. She knew her condition was serious, but nobody expected her to die, so naturally, she wanted answers. The autopsy failed to explain the direct reason for her death, but did state that it was a sudden and suspicious death. The Gutierrez family was obviously distraught, but they hardly had time to bury their daughter before strange and unsettling events started occurring at their home. Other members of the family began seeing Estefania's shadow figures around the house at night. Doors would open and close at random, cabinet drawers would slide open without being touched, and appliances would move and shift positions. One night, Concepcion was walking past Estefania's old bedroom when she heard a voice whisper, Mama, Mama, from inside. When she went to check... She found the room empty. The family kept Estefania's bedroom as it was when she lived, always neat and clean, but every few days they'd go in and find bedsheets thrown about the room and objects scattered across the floor. Eventually they began hearing scrapes along the walls and the sound of bellowing laughter coming from the ceiling. That's when things got worse. The laughter changed from laughter to wailing and screaming, and knocking grew louder into banging and slamming. Maximo resorted to moving large pieces of furniture in front of Estefania's door to keep it from swinging open. However, the result wasn't what they'd hoped for. Instead of preventing the door from swinging open, the family would hear what they described as a huge wind blow the door open, sending whatever furniture was barricading it hurling across the hall. And as if things weren't bad enough, sightings of the shadowmen began happening more frequently. Marianella, the now oldest of the Gutierrez children, described one terrifying encounter. We heard a whistling sound, like on other nights, and then a groan near the door. We were so scared. We were frozen. It was then we noticed something on the floor, as the light from the streetlights would enter our bedroom and light it up. It was the shape of a man, crawling, dragging itself along the floor. He had a black head, no eyes, no mouth, nothing. It was crawling towards us, and we started to scream. It was then that the toys we had on a shelf started to be thrown violently towards the other wall, one by one and then we heard bangs and shouts. It was terrifying. The Gutierrez family were not the only witnesses to the strange events. Visiting neighbors confirmed the family's claims, reporting shadows skittering along walls of the home and seeing toys and other objects flying through the air, sometimes with enough force to embed the object into the wall. One night, about eight months after the death of Estefania, Concepcion woke up in the middle of the night feeling a pressure on top of her. She couldn't move. Suddenly, she felt something grab her wrists and ankles. She started screaming for her husband. Maximo woke up and tried frantically to lift her, but was unable to move her from her prone position on the bed. He picked up the phone to dial 911 and got the emergency line operator. He began babbling off his story to the dispatcher, who figured the man was drunk and asked to speak with his wife. 
Sheba now was free from her state of paralysis and took the phone and repeated her husband's testimony. The dispatcher assumed they were both drunk and asked to speak to one of the kids. Marianella confirmed everything her parents were saying, and the dispatcher sent police to the residence. Police arrived at the home around 2.40 a.m. and were met by a panicked family in the front yard, collectively rambling incoherently about the banging and moving furniture. Chief Inspector Jose Pedro and Officer Negri, along with three other officers, entered the house with Maximo. At first, everything looked normal. Maximo informed the police that most of the activity occurs when the lights are off, so Officer Negri shut off the lights. Immediately, there was a series of loud bangs coming from all around the room. Quickly, Inspector Pedro turned the lights back on, expecting to see members of the family making the noises, but Maximo remained with the other officers and the rest of the family was still out in the front lawn by the street. This proved to be too much for most of the officers present, and they escorted Maximo out with his family and refused to re-enter the house. This left Officer Negri and Inspector Pedro to investigate the house by themselves. The following is a translated account of what they experienced from the official police report. It was a small bedroom with twin beds. The father told us that sometimes, when he and his little son were sitting on the bed, his son was picked up and thrown onto the other bed in a flying move. I sat down in the same bedroom to see if anything would happen. We heard a terrible scream behind us which came from a small balcony. I quickly opened the door and ran out to see if I could see anything, but there was nothing. No fallen stones, nothing. It was 2.30 in the morning, and the noise was dreadful. When I'd first entered the room... I noticed they had a large wooden crucifix on the wall, and hanging off it was a smaller pearly crucifix, like the one that children would get at their first Holy Communion. There was also a poster. But a few moments later, the crucifix had been turned upside down, the little crucifix was on the floor, and the poster and door had three deep scratches in them, as if somebody had clawed through the poster and deep into the door. The officers were unable to do much for the family, other than take statements and file an official police report documenting the unusual events. This would be the only time in Spain's history, and one of the few instances worldwide where an official police report was filed documenting paranormal activity. A short time later, Concepcion was putting Estefania's room back together after another unexplained mess. She picked up a framed picture that lay face down on the carpet. She turned it over in her hand and smiled back at a portrait of her smiling daughter. As she was admiring the picture, a tiny black spot appeared on the photo between Estefania's eyes. It grew into a flame, spreading outward, engulfing her whole face. Concepcion screamed and dropped the picture. The flame went out, leaving the glass and the picture unharmed, except for Estefania's face, which had been completely burned away. What's up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome in. This is episode number 15 of Hometown Ghost Stories. The Viacas haunting. Did I pronounce that correctly? You did. Very good. Check plus. Very good. Cool video, Dave. That was awesome. Nice. I'm Jesse Wilkins. I'm joined here by Rob Coakley and Dave Wilkins, as usual. This is Hometown Ghost Stories. And um, Madrid, Spain. Another one, um, second international one, I believe. Yeah. Figured we'd take a trip across the lake, visit our friends over in Europe. Uh, this was a crazy story, I thought. Um, I heard about it in a book that I was reading and I was like, Ooh, this is pretty wild. So started reading into it. A lot of it was uh, kind of tough to um, put together because a lot of what I was looking up and was reading about was actually in Spanish. <laughs> so I had to translate some of it. And obviously there were uh, reports in English also, because uh, this was a pretty big story over in Spain. Um, 
that uh, they did end up making a movie out of. So if anybody saw the movie Veronica, um, it's a Spanish movie in Spanish. Uh, it's uh, a decent movie. It's on Netflix. I didn't know about it till today or I definitely would have found the time to watch it. So I'll be going to it. That's yeah. So, yeah. It's a six out of 10. In my opinion. I, yeah. I started, I started watching it. Um, well, once you told me it was kind of like the conjuring where it's like loosely based on the actual story. I was like, I should actually just look into the real story. Yeah. It's a little bit at a later date. It's a little bit closer to the real story than the conjuring was to its real story. But, um, it was, uh, yeah, it was a good movie. I liked it. Uh, Pac-Man frog says, uh, did you hear anything about how she wished to be buried? I thought that was, that detail was very interesting. I yeah. Did, but I'll let you take it away, Dave. Yep. So, uh, she, uh, a couple of things I didn't mention in that particular video that I have, but I have notes on here because they are interesting is, uh, number one, she was starting to say really weird things to her parents, um, before she died. Like she told her parents that it was her destiny to die before them and that she wanted to be buried with a particular picture of her and her father. So at the time her parents were like just upset that she was saying these things and was like, what? This is nuts. And they ended up not burying her with that picture. Um, and this this story actually does have an ending, like an ending ending. So uh, a couple of years after they, um, the police incident with the police report, the, uh, the hauntings continue to happen. They just continued on and on and on. Um, the family ended up having to exhume the body. Um, they said it was for something that has to do with the like the the burial plot, like a family plot. They had to move stuff around. I don't know why. It's a pretty strange thing to exhume a body for that reason. But I don't know. Um, this is one of those things that was like lost in translation kind of. Um, but when they did that, the mother took the chance to actually put the picture into the coffin with her before they reburied her. When they did, after they did that, the haunting stopped and then they ended up moving out of the apartment and the, um, the, the people who lived there after also reported that there were no issues with any ghosts. Catherine says there was someone buried below her. I did not read that part. Didn't hear that. No. So, so I did. Okay. Um, so they did not exhume the body to put the photo in with her. What happened was they had to move the body of a fellow, like somebody in her family. Mm-hmm. And apparently the way that graves are done there, um, she was buried on a plot up here. This family member was already buried below her. And to get to this body, they had to exhume hers. So what they did was while she was while they did have it all the way dug up, that's when they put the photo in. Oh, that's pretty cross. So that explains why they did end up exhuming the body then. Right. So it wasn't to do the photo. It was for that other reason. But while that, I knew that wasn't the primary reason they dug it up, but I knew mm-hmm. that she did take that. So uh, is the, is the end of the story. And I forgive me if you had just answered this, but is the end of the story. Once they put the photo in, did the haunting stop? Yeah. Yep, and then the family who lived in the apartment after them also said that they had no uh, issues. Yeah, so there's a lot of theories on on what could have been wrong with her if it you know, um, if it wasn't just a demonic possession or whatever it could have been, which most people might assume. But a lot of people uh, they equate some some medical reasons behind it that could have been like black mold. Um, where maybe she was inhaling, in, um, inhaling that, or it could have been carbon monoxide poisoning, but it doesn't really explain why she would be the only one affected in the house. So, I mean, I guess they, other people, that, I guess she technically wasn't the only one affected because she was the only one who died. So if it she's was carbon died, monoxide, but other people figured. were, other people were hallucinating as well. Well, unless they were actually just seeing shadow figures, which I mean, 
if we're taking the spooky side of things, then that could be it. But a lot of like the, you know, people trying to come up with logical reasoning on what could be happening here. They say she was epileptic, clearly she's having seizures, could have different medical ailments, but in the cause of that could have been a lot of these things because carbon monoxide poisoning, black mold, this stuff can lead to like hallucinating, seizing up, uh, muscle spasms, all, all these different kind of things as well. Right. And this is a lot of the stuff that they did with the Annalise Michelle case as well with the epilepsy. So my thing with this being so different from that one is first they're, they're throwing a bunch of different things. They're saying epilepsy, which it looks like she probably did have, but it doesn't seem like that should have killed her at this point, even being untreated. Um, It just seemed like it might've been too early into it. Not a doctor, but just based off of her condition. Um, So then we're going to black mold. We're going to real quick on that though, on that epilepsy thing. If it was the epilepsy that killed her, the medical report would have stated that it would have stated that it was a suspicious and unusual death. So whether it was, um, I don't think it was directly the epilepsy that caused the death, but maybe it could have been the epilepsy that led to like a pulmonary. um, Exactly. Thing. But it it just seemed like she was still too healthy, but maybe I'm not going to, I'm not going to speculate one way or the other. I'm just going to say it seemed like she was healthier than like Annalise Michelle was who had completely deteriorated before Mm -hmm. she died. Um, So then they're going black mold. They're going, um, what was the other thing? Carbon monoxide. So like they're throwing all these things against the wall. And my rebuttal to all this is after she died, everything was still happening and we had outsiders come in and have experiences as well. The police department, multiple police officers who clearly couldn't be um, in on it. If, if somebody was like in on this, Mm -hmm. I mean, how, how, I mean, what, what would they have to gain on this? Yeah. Yeah, For the police officers to go in and actually file a report risking looking like idiots, you know, cause like that's not something police do. Um, they don't, and they definitely wouldn't make an official report about it because, and actually, um, Officer Negri, Inspector Negri was uh, talking about it in an interview after he retired because he wouldn't talk about it while he was still, um, you know, active. And he was saying that um, when he filed the police report, him and his partner, they just got hell. They were given hell about it. They um, were like picked on and made fun of, so they just stopped talking about it. And he's like, that's why, like, you know, if we we weren't making this up, we never would have filed that report if we didn't have to. Right. So, like, for me, that that's the other side. I did hear about the brown slime. Brown slime. Um, The question from Pac-Man Frog was, did you hear about the brown slime in the house when the police were there? Um, Do you want to take this one? Yeah. So they they left the room um, and there was no brown slime anywhere. And when they came back into the room, they found a mysterious brown slime on the table. And they were like, what the hell is that? Couldn't figure out where it came from. They didn't take any pictures of it, which is weird. You'd think if they saw, you know, the brown slime, they would definitely photograph that if they didn't know where it came from. I don't even know. I don't even know. Are they bringing in a photographer? I mean, it's not a crime scene. They're just showing up to uh, figure out why this family's freaking out. But you would, think you would take a sample of it or something yeah put it in some sort of container maybe but they, but like i said it's not a crime like they're not investigating a murder you know like the, this is just a, a family freaking out you know you think it was, ec- ecto- think, think it was ectoplasm maybe <laughs> who, who knows 
Ghostbusters. We'll but yeah, so, so they, th- I, I didn't even know what the hell you were talking about. I'm like, I'm going to wait till he explains. <laughs> the, uh, yeah. So, I mean, but, but let's, let's take a look at why they probably weren't collecting evidence. I mean, like they they get a call, the 911 operator thinks it's just a couple drunk parents just rambling on about nonsense. That's why they're like, put the kids on the phone. So they respond to the scene. They're not going there with, uh, you know, like a, you know, a whole crime lab and, you know, like these crime scene investigators, they're just a couple couple cops looking to calm down the scene at two thirty in the morning or whatever it was. You know? so, yeah. Yeah. I don't think they're taking photos and stuff, but, <clears throat> and this is like you said, it's the nineties. So they don't have, you know, iPhones and they're not snapping pictures to, to, you know, corroborate their claims of ghosts being in the house. So they probably just weren't equipped. That would be uh, that would be my thing. Um, the other I, theory um, that they toss around was the uh, mass hysteria uh, theory. Yes. Which was more so after the death. You know, the mother was freaking out because she's in, um, you know, mourning and was just hysterical. And everyone kind of, you know, it's not uncommon to have a situation where somebody who's especially like like in a leadership role in the family is uh, behaving irrationally um, for other people to also see, you know, share the delusions of this person. Um, you know, you think there's a young bunch of young kids and their mother's freaking out seeing shadow people. Maybe they start to think they see them too, you know? Yeah. Cause it's like, yeah. if you're a kid and you see a shadow thing and you, your parents will say, Oh, there's no such thing as shadow people. Don't worry about it. But if the mother's seeing them too, then you're like, there's definitely shadow. Yeah, people in exactly. This house. Like my parents confirmed it. Like for instance, I have a seven year old, obviously you guys know that, but for the audience and um, he knows I do a show about ghosts and he knows that like we go to haunted houses and stuff. And I don't show him any of my content because I know how he is. Like he's just going to freak himself out. So, uh, but just to to go off what you were saying with these kids, like, like he knows that I do that. And as soon as he does that, he's just like, I heard something in the other room. He's like, the uh, something was on the stairs. It, it is always right around that time. So he he plays into it. Granted, my house is super haunted too. So maybe he's right, and maybe I'm just ignoring it. But the uh, but um, you know, there's the kids like if they see their parents buying into ghost stories then they're going to buy in on ghost stories. And um, so it, it could be a mass hysteria thing. So these other, I just want to go back to the, you know, we're talking about black mold and, um, and other reasons that they, they might be a uh, carbon monoxide poisoning and stuff. Other reasons that uh, she could have been sick and stuff, but I don't think that explains at one point she attacked her sister, right? Yep. Is that a, is that a common thing with epilepsy? I've never heard of that before. Again, no. we're not doctors, but I've never I mean, what what, what would that? No, be? I think epilepsy is seizures. Just seizures, seizures right? Seizures, seizures. You know, attacking people when you're having a seizure. Um, another, uh, but some on that on that point, I'm not changing the subject. Another thing that they were saying was that Estefania was very, very, very uh, attention oriented. Like she had to be the center of attention um, at all times. So um, that theory the mother is, or the daughter, Estefania, the daughter. I see because I heard that about the mother. Um, it was. Possibly both, but I heard it about the daughter, and okay. I mean, it's not out of the realm of the possibility so, that yeah. the mother and the daughter shared this um, thing. But she was always like, you know, you never know if she's like playing these things up or you know just feeding into it. And um, then the mother's you know, coming back competing, trying to also could be maybe. Yeah, if, if I you're think looking that's for probably one of the shakier theories, but yeah. Again, we have all these outsiders, so I, I mean, we have to run through this stuff, but. When you have all these other outsiders um, doing to that. Me, yeah, to me, that theory of like, you know, mass hysteria goes out the window when the police show up. 
And mm-hmm. when the police verify it, that's when it kind of sets it over the top for me. See, it's like, even if, you know, they invite neighbors over, they invite friends over. And if all they've been hearing about is how haunted the house is, they're going to be looking for that stuff. They see shadows dancing across the wall. Could be a car going by. They live in an apartment building. Could be anything. They hear bumps on the wall. They have neighbors. It's an apartment building. You know, so it could be, it could be that. But like I said, that theory for me goes out the window once the police show up and, uh, very I, the claims. I agree because the, the police were trying to debunk it by like turning the lights back on, seeing, checking and see where the family is, if they could have been mm-hmm. making the noises. And just every time that they turned around to see, it was like, nope, it couldn't possibly be. And the crucifix flipping upside down. Like, can I, crazy. can I derail this show for one minute? Yep. So just because we're talking about mass hysteria and we're never, I, I'm not going to say we're never going to talk about mass hysteria again, but I have to ask you guys, have you ever heard of um, the Trump family from Australia? from 2016 no so you want to talk about the craziest case of like family mass hysteria um look up the trump family like the basic gist is this is just a normal everyday family parents three adult kids and their adult kids are 29 25 and 22 years old they've lived on like this house people went to their house one day it was completely trashed like all their passports and everything for some reason, this family went on this like insanity ridden road trip where they were like running after people. Like, like it's it's bananas. Like, I don't want to get into the story because it sounds like, like meth. But but they weren't they weren't on drugs. Like they and the whole family went through this, and it was freaking nuts. Like they all just went crazy at the same time. They, well, they, yeah. it looks like the parents led it. Um, but yeah, they went on this like crazy road trip. Look up the Trump family in in Australia, because people are still that. like, "What the hell happened with this family?" <laughs> so we got a question here. Uh, yes, I will be looking into that because that sounds like the most entertaining thing I've heard all week. Uh, Catherine says, uh, based on the Ouija board, on how the Ouija board played a pivotal role in this story, would you do a Ouija board stream? I think that would be very interesting. I, I would definitely- be interested to do that as well, but not based on this situation <laughs> like if, if, if this is the example that we're using i'd probably say no we should never use a ouija board because i'd like to not be possessed to death <laughs> we put a um, demon in a box we did put a demon in a box. it was a poltergeist it wasn't a oh, sorry poltergeist right, 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 kiki mora uh um, yeah, yeah i'd, I'd be down for to, that so we have to do it right like actually look into how you're supposed to do it and whatnot and make sure that we say goodbye uh and make sure somebody whose mic works is the one saying goodbye we don't get uh, hunted that's, to death by the ghost. That's a phasmophobia joke for those of you who don't play phasmophobia. Um, um, Rob, one thing, I just want to just I, just going to say that I I bought a bunch of ghost stuff and might have bought something. Bought a Ouija board, <laughs> so we'll have it. So we're doing another. Uh, we'll drop more details on this in the future, but we're doing a live. Um, <laughs> oh yeah, he's got the mouse board Ouija board. I mean, the yeah, mouse pad Ouija board too. Uh, we're uh, we're doing an investigation this Sunday. Uh, we're heading up to Vermont to a location, and we're gonna have all this fancy new gear. So I'm excited. I also ordered some gear. It's coming in tomorrow. If it doesn't um, kill me, if it doesn't kill you, yeah. As you yeah. can see, not the Ouija board. That's his. Uh, that's that's Rob trying to figure out how to fly a drone. You actually, this, you see this drone that tried to murder me the other day? Yeah, it's right. It's right there. <laughs> We weren't supposed to tell Kate about the Ouija board until after. <laughs> it's sitting on your computer desk. No, no, no. All, all the Rob's Ouija, Ouija board. board. <laughs> um, what was I going to say? So Ouija board, speaking of Ouija board, and back to the Viacost story here, um, there was a 
they had another Ouija board session, Estefania and Marianella and their friend Juan actually came over to the house to have another one to, um, I don't know if it was whether they're trying to another like get rid Juan. of the spirits. Another Juan. <laughs> <laughs> nice Juan. Okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and they had the Ouija board session. During the Ouija board session, Juan actually had a seizure and had but, to be taken out in an ambulance. But did he want to? Stop it. I'll stop now. That's a serious story. I'm making jokes. Uh, uh, I, I did read about that one as well. So that's interesting because it seems like two um, seizure-related incidents both stemming from a Ouija board. Yeah, and I get it. If she had epilepsy, then she's going to have those seizures. But why did why did Juan have that seizure? I, I got to stop. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. I'm done. I Juan saw it coming. I, it was. It makes you wander, right? It was. <laughs> yes. All right. We're done. We're done. Uh, yeah, that, that's actually we we ruined that really. Uh, important story and so that is that is a huge one so and that was in the same apartment <laughs> i didn't even mean to do that <laughs> oh no <laughs> i'm sorry idiots. sorry yeah we're, we're dumb we're dumb um we gotham got left the room after that one he was like I'm sick of this shit. <laughs> we got multiple requests of people coming, uh, asking to come to the uh, the investigation. Uh, this one is a hotel. Oh, welcome, but we you're going to get your own room. room. <clears throat> yeah, so uh, we'll shoot you the details. But yeah, if you guys want to book a separate room, we could do that. We booked the haunted room, but you're obviously welcome to. Uh, uh, we'll just talk off stream and we'll, we'll give you the details on that. But yes, um, uh, this one is another one. So this is uh, the ball that floated in midair and then threw itself back at them. Doesn't sound like mass hysteria to me, though. Um, no. Was that during the Ouija, that was during the Ouija board session? Um, I don't remember if that was during the Ouija board session. Just a, I just think it was during one of their freaking insane nights. Yeah, there was another case where things were getting thrown so hard that they like lodged into the wall. Yeah, and I think you mentioned that on the episode too. But the, yeah, uh, there was the, the the Jesus got ripped off the crucifix and fired across the room and embedded itself into the wall. They that's, also try to bring in a ton of um, paranormal investigators. Yeah, so that's fun. So uh, they brought in this one guy, Tristan Breaker, um, was his name, which doesn't sound Spanish, but I don't know. I don't know much about Spanish uh, nomenclature. But uh, this guy came in and basically made things worse. He um, freaked the family out more so every time he'd show. He basically would show up, get everybody all riled up and freaked out, and then he'd leave. And then he'd come back and do it again. Like one time he told the family not to use their bathroom anymore because the bathroom was. Yeah, and they didn't. And they didn't. They listened to him. That's crazy. That's an apartment. There's no way there's, I mean, maybe there's one other bathroom, but I mean. They must have um, continued to use it, but sparingly and like had a buddy system or something. Maybe they took on the the approach from the Scotland episode where they just threw everything out the window. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe, (laughs) maybe. Uh, and then he told them that they were um, they had a demon had attached itself to them, and the demon's name was <laughs> Crapula. <laughs> Don't use the bathroom. Crapula's in there. Oh, <laughs> uh, which I mean, it's funny in English, but I mean, I'm sure it was not fun. I mean, it's in Spanish. It's not the same word, obviously. So yeah, it's just. I'm looking up crapula right now. Make the joke. I tried. I believe it. The crapula joke. I'm better than that. (laughs) 
Um, yeah, so that that's, this guy basically came in and made things worse. And they had a, a whole bunch of other paranormal investigators come in, I think, after the fact, after the uh, police investigated. And um, they'd get mixed. You know, some people would say that they find some stuff. Some people said that they actually didn't find anything and, and whatnot. So it was a real mixed mixed um, reactions from various paranormal investigators. Did you find anything on Crapula? No, it pulled me back to the website I was already on, which is kind of just the full story. So, and it's a yeah. really, really extensive article. So I'm not going to sift through this whole thing looking for Crapula. Mm, like a time no. for better shit. It was all right. It was okay. We need a we need a crickets uh, soundboard <laughs> right there for that. Um, there is breaking news: new data on the controversial uh, Viacus case has recently come to light. Information that refers both to the protagonists and the events at the time framed. Place I don't like this. This is boring. Okay, this um, sucks. Let's I talk about something else. <laughs> Wow, you don't want me to get to the fucking... I was just about to get to the punchline. I was speed reading. There, There's a that, podcast that we make fun of that you're doing what they do. Now, <laughs> just so you know. All right, I'm going to read the rest we of this real quick. We don't make fun of podcasts. It was, uh, it was one of the experiences. All right, let's bring Rob back because I'm not, uh, I'm not getting to the good stuff here. <clears throat> you made it seem like the punchline was right there. Yeah. I did, but then they just kept babbling. That's the problem with this article. It's like a novel. So what, what was your favorite thing in this story day what drew you to this story to do this what story? drew me to the story is when i was when i was reading about it in the book um it just kept getting crazier and crazier like it started out like all right yeah there was a ouija board session some things some weird things happened the, the nun quitting her job after experiencing it for one and then the Estefania died. I was like oh shit she died whoa that's crazy you don't usually you don't hear a lot of stories about somebody actually dying from a possession and then the ghost story started i'm like what and then the police report where it was like you know you know another situation where it's like the only documented police you know the only uh documented case of uh an actual police report on the paranormal was like i'm like oh man this is wild it just keeps like crazier and crazier and crazier and crazier and then just to finish it off with the picture burning which is another thing that you could like how do you debunk that you know like you could say that yeah she did it herself but if you had a child die would you be able to burn their picture <laughs> like i i can't imagine being that insane to be able to do that that's that's something that i don't think even if i wanted everyone to believe a story i could burn a picture of my dead kid and it happened 2 years after she died so why would you yeah, yeah, I'm not burning that picture two years after. Uh, so where this article went to was uh, another claim that um, the mother had made later on, uh, saying that her daughter on several occasions uh, saw the Virgin Mary appear um, on the wall in front of her bed. And the image of um, the Virgin Mary would be like uh, kind of giving her like a creepy smile. And then um, and then this also went into the request that she had to be buried with the picture. Um, and she threatened to come back and haunt them if they didn't. Um, obey her wishes. So, and we had we had talked about that. We didn't. I don't believe we talked about the Virgin Mary thing, though. But that's the second time I heard about that. So that is a. Uh, that's probably. also what happened with Annalise Michelle. She saw the Virgin Mary come down to her as well. So that's a same type of situation. I thought the grandfather stuff was fucking scary as yes. as hell to start. Just like that to me. Like I found other stuff more like. 
that kept me going, but that was the hook for me. It's like, like obviously Alzheimer's is crazy. Like what it, what it makes you do. And it just makes you a different person. But for, for him to lean in and those were his last words to her, basically, you know, if I can't harm you in this life, I'll harm you in the next. Like, and then all this crazy shit starts happening. And I don't think you mentioned it, but there's also a story of, when they saw the shadow figure, they heard it laughing in the hallway one time, and it was the same laugh as their grandfather's. Yeah, that, yeah, that was, I heard uh, that one too. Yep, that, that was, was scary. Whole, that's that's terrifying. Yeah, the grandfather angle definitely puts a different spin on this uh, story than anything else. Because I haven't heard—I mean, not that I would expect to have heard that before. This is like a unique story, um, but you know, that's like that's a crazy one that I haven't never heard anything like that before. Um, so yeah, that was a, that was definitely a, a hook for me also. Yeah. Um, it, 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 so it's like, I just, there's so many layers to the story between, cause you, cause you don't really know where this story is going to go. Like, like a lot of these stories, there's endpoints for this. Like if it was another story, it would end at a certain point. Like maybe not at the grandfather, but like her possession, once she dies, that's generally the end of the story. Like, the death culminates the story and this story keeps going. That's yeah. the midway point. You're, you know, obviously this is a real story, but like your main character is gone and, and things still continue to happen. So it's, to me, that's what was like so shocking about it is there's just so much more to it than, than what you think. Yeah. There really is just layers upon layers upon layers of the story. It's, I think that's probably why they made a movie about it, but um, I, I won't spoil the movie or anything, but I think the movie missed a lot of... We're doing something different this week? Usually, what do you mean? Is he, is he spoiling another one? I mean, usually uh, he says he's not going to spoil anything. Oh, okay. I, 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 I have no idea what you're talking about. Um, yeah, you know what? I, I'll just, I'll, I'll leave it at that. The movie missed... No, I, I actually want to know what you're talking about. It's fine. The movie just they they changed up the timeline and it just um, it it didn't it didn't have that same like layered effect that the story that the actual story had that made you go like oh oh whoa it's just kind of like it was just like a build up and an ending so so there's another uh, case that this breaking news got to which is good that I didn't speed read through this because this is like nine paragraphs down so Rob I want to thank you for stopping me with my speed reading I thought the breaking news would get to the point but anyways uh, after reading for 15 minutes while you guys talked uh, she had a friend um, probably going to pronounce name named uh, Kuka C-U-C-A Susa Kusa anyways um, she claimed to be like basically Crapula <laughs> dude oh man do you think that guy was just like completely trolling like he's starting up like the it's, first a different, it's a different language yeah. it's a different language yeah, but yeah it's, it's, it's probably not, it's probably pronounced crapula it's uh it's just spanish it's, it's like a really shitty version of dracula crapula <laughs> and uh anyways so this is not about crapula this is about um uh, we're gonna make millions i tell you millions <laughs> this is about uh, uh i'm gonna go with kusa this is about basically she was estefania's best friend and she gave a bit of a different uh, take on the mother. So we had mentioned that the mother was kind of like attention seeking, wanted to be, maybe she was jealous of all the attention that her daughter was getting, which is kind of crazy because her daughter was epileptic and sickly and dying. And, uh, yeah, so that's, 
that's something. But this one basically says that she was uh, very um, authoritarian. She was she would ignore the kids. She wouldn't. Um, she wasn't basically saying that she was a bad mother and she was borderline abusive, and um, she had a very bad behavior towards her kids. And this is why. If I don't know if you touched on this, but Estefania was uh, described to be like a very like she had a motherly role, even though she was a young child, but she would like do all the things around the house. She would cook, she would clean, she would take care of, um, you know, younger cousins and siblings. And that's how they portrayed her in the movie, actually. Yeah. And which and, I had thought was inaccurate, but maybe not. And uh, Kusa, her best friend, claims that this is because the mother didn't do shit. And basically she was a terrible mother. And uh, she suggests there could have been physical abuse, so she might have been abusive as well, um, and that she was unstable. Basically, this is just a huge her, – her entire testimony is just trash-talking the mother. And so that is kind well, of – Well, other family members did as well. Said um, the same thing about the mother? Yeah. So, like, I mean, not to that extent, but they talked about – they hit on a lot of that. I think it was the husband's brothers who said the mother was the one making this all up. But I just – I keep going back to – you know, other people coming in and seeing this stuff. And, and and I need that explained to me in order for me to get to that. Now, you know, maybe some of the stuff was in their head, but I don't know, man. You, you I just, I can't get away from the five cops, the six cops that come in and have a story and have to file a police report. And like Dave said, it didn't ruin their profession, but it made their job it, hard. It put it on the line for sure. Yeah. And so, like I said, I mean, I, I believe that this is a, a haunted environment. Could it have assisted in her death? Maybe. And this is another one where you're dealing with a sick person who died and uh, they chalk it up to possession. However, this one was only 27 could years have, ago. She or, could have had or, the sickness. The sickness. <laughs> yes. No, this, is what, this was in, actually, no, it was 1991. Yeah. So, like, uh, math me on that one. 21 years ago? No. 31 years ago? Gin and Juice was just released on MTV. <laughs> yeah, this day in history. 31, yeah. 31, 31 years 31. Yeah. <clears throat> I'm 24 years old. Anyways, uh, <laughs> so, anything else you want to touch on on this one? No, I just, I, re- I, I was unaware of this story, so... Yeah, I was not I aware of the pronunciation it. until Dave's episode started. So I've been doing it all along. It was hard, like, yeah, it was a. Uh, I had heard the name and I was like, I'm, I'm sitting there trying to like, I'm trying to figure out how to spell it, like V I I A. Can we even do Velisca next, or is it just so? That's similar? so close. That's so close. <laughs> when you said that, like, hey, I got uh, a, um, a a possible guest for the Velisca episode, I'm sitting there thinking, like, who? Because I thought you were just like misspelling Viacas. <laughs> <laughs> <clears throat> yeah, I hate when you get a word like that, and um, but you're hearing it. So maybe you're like hearing a podcast, or you hear someone mention it, and then you got to try to figure out how the hell to spell it, so you can even Google it yeah. to try to find information on it. Yeah, the the so the meaning of Velisca is going to come into play in that episode. Not to spoil anything. Shut up, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> okay. But yeah. So that's, that's gonna. A, that's just a little teaser. That's a solid teaser, my friend. Very good, very good. So that was uh, uh, Madrid, Spain. Dave, very good job on the video on that one. I don't know where the hell you found those videos of those like shadow people and stuff, but every time I look for an image of a shadow person, it is the corniest image of all time. So nice. there's a lot of them. Yeah, <laughs> nice job on the uh, on the video portion. For audio listeners out there, make sure 
uh, you guys swing over to YouTube, drop a sub on there and check out the video portion. We do work very hard on these videos, but we, uh, we appreciate the podcast has been, has been blown up. I think I want to take a moment to uh, thank people for uh, tuning in, no matter what um, platform you listen on, it should be available on pretty much all of them. If it's not available on your preferred podcasting platform, send us a message um, either on discord or Twitter or anywhere else. And, and we'll get that message and we'll get it uh, pushed out to whatever platform you would prefer to listen to it on. So there's that. And, um, and we need reviews. So on iTunes, if you guys don't mind dropping a review, let us know what you think. Uh, we will read out the reviews and I have a challenge. The challenge is going to be, can you come out with the most ridiculous review? There's a couple of ridiculous reviews on there. Uh, may or may not have been left by myself. See if you can top it. And uh, the most ridiculous one we'll read out on there and we'll make a little thing of it. But we do need some reviews. Let's keep that podcast pumping and um, and uh, everything else. Oh, and TikTok. We blew up on TikTok yesterday. That was nice. Uh, a little bit anyways. Not Nothing compared to Captain McSlugs the Great. But we, uh, we um, had one of our videos pop. So everyone that followed us on TikTok and if you guys are tuning in from there, I want to thank you and welcome you in to, uh, to the episode. And um, check us out on TikTok. It's uh, just just search hometown ghost stories. Anything else? That's it next for me. Week. So I'm next excited week for our. I'm excited for our events. investigation this weekend. Yes, Dave. What were you going to say? I was just saying you want to touch on the next couple of weeks for episodes and what we've got going, and or yeah. so next week's Felisca, right? Maybe. Maybe we'll talk about it. All right. <laughs> I, I'm not kidding. Some, like, someone else is going to have to go get these to work names, if not <laughs> these names are so similar that i now kind of want to insert an episode in between so uh, uh, we have i'm kind of thinking about myself yeah we have vermont which uh another v <laughs> yeah yeah we'll do the three v's in a row mm. and uh we'll figure that out so we got some stuff coming in but we'll be back next Tuesday. Slick, slick mahoney move all the v's baby all the v's <laughs> yeah so this has been uh this has been episode number 15 of Hometown Ghost Stories. Tune in next uh, Tuesday for a brand new episode. Uh, do we plan on going live on Sunday? That is the big question. That is something we need to discuss off air. Okay. Well, we'll check it out. We'll uh, put it out on social media and let you guys know whether or not we will be going live with the investigation. And um, yeah, I don't know if we shared that comment already, but she said the detail that you guys go into compared to the others is way more interesting. Well, thank you for that. I thank you for sharing that. it. Keep sharing yeah. it. Hell yeah. All right. Well, uh, thank you guys, and we will uh, we'll see you next time.